Welcome to Bold Ambition Podcast. I'm Ingrid. And I'm Neri. And we're two passionate Latinas conversing with bold, ambitious voices who are making waves in the world. Every week, we dig into the knowledge of community builders, experts, and thought leaders that equip us to make an impact. Okay, enough talk. Come take action with us. Welcome to Bold Ambition Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ingrid Garcia, and I'm bringing you episode four of season three. Today, we're chatting with licensed marriage and family therapist, Alejandra Peña. She's currently building her practice as she continues to work in a local nonprofit that serves survivors of domestic and sexual violence, also known as SAFE, in case you've heard of it. It's a cause that she's deeply passionate about, but also it's an opportunity to work closely with immigrant and Latinx survivors. Nidhi and I thought Alejandra would be a great guest to talk about the stigmas around therapy, specifically in Latinx households, because in fact, only 34% of Latinx adults with mental illness receive treatment each year compared to the US average of 45%. So we're definitely on the lower end. So we do a deep dive on those stigmas, what self-care really means, and she also shares some mental health resources that come without the hefty price tag that usually comes with therapy. So without further ado, let's get into our conversation. Welcome to Bold Ambition Podcast, Alejandra. I'm really excited to have you here on the show. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and your professional background Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, My name is Alejandra Peña, and I am a licensed professional counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm originally from El Salvador. My parents and my brother still live back there, and I moved to Austin for grad school for, you know, to get into the counseling field. My hope was always to go back and be able to help, you know, to be able to support in some way, like my country and my gente. But I really did fall in love with Austin and with the community here. And I found like a really tight knit group that basically have turned into my family. And so um, I got a great job after grad school and I was like, okay, like I'm sticking around. So for the past five years, I've been working at a local nonprofit that serves survivors of trauma. And I've moved away a little bit in the in, in the nonprofit to do like more supervision work um, rather than direct client work. But I also started my, pri- my own private practice on the side where I do see, um, you know, clients who are wanting therapy. So I've specialized a lot in working with, of course, trauma, survivors of trauma, particularly around domestic or sexual violence. And in my private practice, I've kind of wanted to specialize in holding a lot of those spots for Latinx identified individuals, Spanish speaking individuals, and also supporting with immigration needs at times. What, what, what a story. I I love that this is your passion. I love that this is what you're, what you're doing to serve your community. I would say in the last five to 10 years, therapy, self-care, mental health has really begun to be in the limelight and be focused on by, I think, Gen Z and millennials. However, I do see that self-care is sold to us in a form of a bath and a candle. What does self-care really look like from a professional point of view? That's a great question. I think... like self-care I feel like can be sold in a lot of different ways like you're completely right and sometimes it's just oh like as long as like you have this or do this steps and 
like, you know, professionally in my experience, I can really say like self-care is something really personal and right. And it's and kind of just being able to do things and be with yourself and do things that really kind of like speak to your soul. Right. Like I just think about like what self-care, you know, like, Oh, like a bath and a candle. And it's no, that just might not be for everybody. Um, and I also like one thing that I've come to realize, especially I think in the past couple of years has just been, oh, how can we also tie it to our roots, you know, to our culture of like self-care doesn't necessarily mean like being alone, right? And being like in a bath and and lighting something like it can be, hey, I want to go to like a Zumba class and dance or, hey, I want to go out with my friends or I want to listen to music. And a lot of times that can be really rooted to, um, you know, like our culture or what we kind of like enjoy. I think about like going on a walk or being connected with nature is that can, and I know I'm pretty much like just saying examples of self-care, but it's really like whatever kind of feeds you and your soul kind of, you know, like what's going to kind of re-energize or give you a break. So you can just like really focus on yourself, especially women. Like usually it's, oh, like you have to put everybody first and then you go. And so for me, like when I talk about self-care, especially with a lot of like my Latinx clients, it's what would it look like to put yourself first? And even sometimes thinking about that can be considered, you know, self-care. And that's kind of when that can be answered. It's so interesting, like Ingrid said, had as of lately trying to explore and figuring out what true self-care is. And I agree, it's truly finding those habits, those um, ways in which you are taking really care of yourself. So I totally agree. And I think it's great to see that. Something that I've learned too, or that I'm finally understanding is how mental health it's part of our self-care, should be part of our self-care, right? Because, you know, taking care of your thoughts, taking care of um, where your mind is at, right? And finding that balance, it's super important. But to me specifically, I feel like it hasn't, it wasn't something that I was taught. Again, nothing against what, you know, how my parents raised me, but it was just not part of you know, not even part of something we would talk at school or in high school or my grandparents, nothing my family would speak about mental health, right? Um, And just recently, it just hit me how if I was, you know, say, a little bit sad or, you know, depressed or anxious, there's just this saying that, you know, I would get told, ponte las pilas, right? brush it off, you know, just get over it. It's fine. And I feel like within our Latino household, sometimes there is this stigma around therapy and mental health. What are you seeing uh, within your field? Yeah. Oh, this is, yeah. Like it personally hits like this question. I think Um, I grew up and I like I wasn't like the first, you know, like in 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 a lot of Latin American countries, like, you know, therapists and stuff, they're referred to as like el psicologo, right? And so I wasn't the first one in my family. So on my mom's side, like I had an uncle and a cousin who um, were psychologists and working in different fields. And my I remember growing up, my dad would always just be like, you guys can do like whatever you want. 
except no pueden ser psicólogos. Like, you can't go to school for psychology. And, you know, that's exactly what I ended up doing. And it was, you know, it was fine. Like, you know, my parents were supportive and everything. But still to this day, it's still like such a stigmatized topic. You know, I remember when I started going to therapy and I shared that with, you know, with my mom, she's like, but are you okay? Like, why are you going? And I'm like, I feel you know, like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I should be in. Yeah, like, you know, we all have stressors, like it's not but that stigma just very much like tied to it. And still to this day, it's just like very much seen that way. And it's really in like, at least in my family, it's very much even, you know, I'm a therapist and you know, I'm, I'm doing well and I love it. And it's still just such like a topic, especially like talking about it with other people of like, oh, did you know that, you know, fulanito or, you know, whoever uh, is going to therapy. And I'm like, that sounds great, you know, <laughs> but it's still, and, you know, that, that, that whisper tone that goes down a little bit when you talk about it. Um, and professionally, right. Like it is something as I work a lot with, um, with the Latinx population like it's really interesting of how oh like that's just like such a shared experience and of how like also taking care of yourself and going to therapy or you know taking care of your mental health is something that's never talked about it's like mm-hmm. yes ponte las pilas or you'll get over it you know I feel that that's just ya se te va a pasar. Yeah. like you know like yes here it goes and so it's something that we definitely share and I think that what what I've been seeing especially in the last I want to say like year and a half when you know I think as everybody has felt like some degree of isolation or maybe everybody is too generalized but a lot of people have felt some isolation Mm -hmm. that these conversations have come up and I think it is coming more to the front forefront especially just thinking of here in the United States so more people are kind of coming in and seeking out therapy And being like, yeah, like I come from this household and right now, like I'm learning that taking care of my mental health is actually a good thing. And how can I like break this cycle or, you know, talk about it with my parents. And that's always like a big thing with my Latinx clients of like, oh, like I haven't shared this with anybody in my family that I'm, you know, that I'm seeing you. Mm -hmm. But then once they do, like, so sometimes, and it's all depending on like what we're working with, but sometimes how even sharing that, like, you can still feel like, you know, they'll express of how, right. oh, like, it still felt really stigmatized, or there was still this comment drop, but wow. there's a little more curiosity from older generations, mm-hmm. and like questions, and a lot of the time, it's just like working, and it's like, it felt so great to be able to share this, and to say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm really needing this, and it's been great, it's been amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to say I'm proud of our generations, like Ingrid was saying, the Gen Z and millennials, because exactly what you're saying, we're not seeking the validation first from our parents, say say our parents or older generations. We're just going for it and seeking help and saying, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And then once there's, say, some results or you feel better or you are actually getting the help you need, embodying, right, like the work that is being done. And then I think it's almost like they have to see it for themselves, right? To believe mm-hmm. in it. You were saying prior to the pandemic, seeking mental health and, and just resources was just more of a stigma. 
sometimes we bring with us that cultural trauma and the expectations of being first gen, you know, maybe we are the only ones that face that, but do you see those factors being really important when people are coming to seek help or is that, or is that something that you would see say across the board, you know, no matter the ethnicity? Yeah, I feel that there are certain aspects of that that you could see maybe like across cultures, across ethnicities. Like I think that it varies and it's different, right? Like I'm, I feel because I particularly, you know, work with, with Latinx populations, like, yes, like I, I see specific trauma that has come up, even, you know, like the impact of like anti-immigration policies, right? Like that we've just been seeing like shifting and then like, you know, like things being said that are going to get better and not really, or, you know, like uh, an administration that was pretty, you know, like severe in attacking immigration policies. And that, I think that that definitely impacts, right? Because I feel um, specifically with a lot of um, Latinx immigrants, right? There's that kind of like immigration impact of I'm leaving my home, you know, like I'm leaving Um, I just think of like something specifically for me, like I miss like the ocean so much. I miss a lot of greenery, a lot of hills, like a lot of my food. There's things that, you know, are particular to that, you know, that come with that kind of move. And then also with the expectations of, I think, for second generations of you have to like do well, that pressure, I feel it, it is, it can be something specific, right, that we can see a lot across the board. So yes, to answer that. And also, like, I, I can see like certain aspects of this even going across a lot of other cultures and ethnicities, and how it kind of comes up in with a lot of my clients that I'm like, oh, like, I've definitely noticed, like, you know, like this pattern of struggling with set boundaries, right? Because usually, if you know, if like my parents came here for a better life, it's like, then yes, you have, you definitely have to have like a better life. And you also have to do what I tell you and what my expectations are of what a better life looks like. And so sometimes like that struggle with being able to set boundaries, because we haven't been taught, hey, like, we can challenge or we can set boundaries around our family, because that's just not something that you do. Right. And I'm using quotation marks with that. You do. <laughs> you mentioned actually a hot topic boundaries. When I open up my social media page nowadays, it's like, say no to things, set the boundary, understand your worth and don't let, you know, someone who may not understand it walk all over you to, for lack of a better <laughs> sentence. But how can we set boundaries without specifically saying this is my boundary? Like what do boundaries even look like for you and for your people who struggle to to make them yeah it's rough and I'm like and there are different ways right like I'm just my my mindset is kind of like set on family but I feel like that's just that's like a I think that that's one of the biggest struggles and biggest areas of work that I've recognized like personally but also with like my clients of being able to set boundaries around family and that you know because you're supposed to love them and say yes to everything you know and like do you know whatever you've kind of agreed but I think saying no, right? Or saying no when you feel, oh, I can't do this, right? Like, for example, like professionally, if my supervisor is like, hey, Ale, like, I really need you 
um, to work on this, like, you know, let's say like writing a support letter for one of like my former clients, you really need to get this done and you need to get it, you need to have it done by the end of the week. And I'm just, Hey, I'm looking at my calendar. I can't do this, you know, in this time frame, but I'm happy to get it done by next week. You know, like that, that would be like setting a boundary or even like with clients, sometimes I'll get clients like, I really need this documentation or something from you. And I can, I can say, Hey, I'm not able to do this, but I can do this, you know, next week. That's one way. Um, I think in like thinking about like friendships, right? Like sometimes if you're carrying a lot, if like, let's say that I have something pretty like, you know, personal and um, related to family, that's just been weighing on me a lot. And then a friend is like, hey, I really need your help. And that help can just be emotional support. Like, I really need you to, I, like, I would love to talk about this with somebody and being able to say, hey, I actually have a, a lot going on. You know, like, I love you. I care about you. And right now, I don't think that I have that to offer. Right. And that's hard. Like, even like hearing it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know if I could say that. But like you can't, right? And those are kind of like ways that you can practice or even with family, right? Like I just think of, you know, like right now, even like COVID related, right? If you have like family member, you know, let's say that I'm like somebody who's okay, like, you know, I got my vaccine, my COVID vaccine, and I'm feeling really safe about that. But I have family members who aren't wanting to get it. And let's say, you know, like I have somebody you know, a child that maybe hasn't been vaccinated and being able to set that boundary of like, I'm sorry, you know, like I'm really trying to be protective over my child and their well-being, and I couldn't interact with you or, you know, like that. So those are even like some boundaries. And I have found even with like my group of like friends who a lot of them are in therapy, they do use the word boundaries sometimes, you know, they're like, you know, like, I feel like I want to set like this boundary and then they go ahead and say it. So I find that really fascinating because I don't think I ever imagined that happening. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like you said, I think it's very strange and, you know, it, it sounds almost wild to like straight up say, this is my boundary. But I, I think at the end of the day, the better we're clear with our words and use the right words to say, this is what I'm okay with. And this is what I'm not okay with. Um, I think overall will help taking care of ourselves. So I think that's pretty awesome. So Ale, for our listeners, right? If they're still debating whether or not to seek help, or they just don't know where to go, or, you know, what will you tell them right now? Oh, I feel I could go on like, oh, I like talk about this for a while. Um, It's really different because, right, like different things might work for different people, right? Therapy might not be like the best thing that you need at this time. And that's perfectly okay. If you're thinking about it and you're like, you know, like I've really been struggling with this and I've been kind of thinking about a therapist, but I might not, like maybe I, I just don't feel like I'm ready. I think that there's just so many things that sometimes like we just don't know that are aware, right? Like I'm a therapist, like in a community. And so I know oh, like there's access to a lot of these things. So I think one thing that I could say is, hey, do any of your family members or are any of your friends or people that you know, are they in therapy? Why don't you talk to them about it? You know, like if, if they're okay, like, hey, like I'm wondering, you know, how this is going for you or hey, like I just want to talk to somebody like what it is like to go to therapy. I think that's one way. 
if you have like a therapist friend, I know all of my friends came to me and asked me and I was like, like, I never, you know, like never pressure, but I was like, oh yeah, like these are some great resources. Oh yeah. I think that you could, you know, like I feel that therapy would be really helpful for that. And then one other like big thing is also, I love, well, I'll, I'll, I'll like split that kind of, you know, like this thought, like one thing is I think all therapists, at least in the Austin community, I don't think I've ever seen somebody who doesn't offer this, but all therapists offer like a free consult, like 20 to 30 minute consult, you know, like over the phone and you can just like check in with them. Like you can do that with like as many therapists as you like, if you just want maybe like some general questions and like for me personally, in those consults, I'm always like questions that I ask, have you been in therapy? Like, do you want to know a little bit about what that can look like? What, what would be your goals or like, why are you, why are you seeking therapy right now? And that will usually tell me like, am I going to be able to help them or support them in this, like within this process or not? Maybe I can think of somebody else who would, or, you know, help them look for somebody else. So that's like a big thing. And, and then kind of like the second part of that, right, is whenever I get those consult calls and also in my first sessions with clients, I'll usually tell them, hey, shop around. Like if you want to have 10 first sessions, which maybe 10 is like a really high number and I don't know if I would recommend that number. But hey, if you, if you want to like go ahead and like check in, you know, start with a therapist, you know, like, for, like in this case, right, with me. And if you, you know, we have our first session, I'll check in at the end on how you're feeling. Like, do you think that we're clicking? Do you think that we're connecting? Because for me, like, that's like my stance in therapy and healing work is a lot like I, you know, I believe that healing can happen really great with in connections. And that even includes like the therapeutic relationship and connections, right? It's, oh, you know, like if we're able to like hold boundaries and like heal something in this space, then it's more likely that you'll be able to take that out. And so it's like, so if you're not feeling like that we're clicking or if you're feeling that something's off, that's no worries. It's okay. And sometimes it's like, it's okay, you know, if you want to break up with your therapist and then recognize, hey, I think I'm looking for something different. So I usually encourage like some shopping around, like talking to a couple of other therapists, Sometimes it's pretty clear if they've kind of like also like done some research or looked online. I think that's another way looking online. um, I know that there's different directories available. I know like psychology today is pretty big. I'm personally not there. I'm not on there, but I like I'm on Latinx therapy. That's another directory, but looking for like directories, um, and kind of like finding like what you're looking for and reading different bios, like that's a great way. And I will say that probably like making phone calls would be great. That'll definitely tell you more. And setting up those consults will tell you more about if you're going to click with a therapist or not. For households who don't have access to therapy due to financial limitations, what resources that you know of can you like direct our audience to? whether they're online or maybe something in person. Yeah. Specifically in talking, you know, to maybe, yeah, like to therapy, right. And mental health. I, I have some, I feel like the Austin community has a lot of like available resources. I'm happy to like share them. So you can also add them, you know, to like the, the podcast description, but even accessing, I'm trying to like go ahead, but 
some therapists will offer, you know, like sliding scale. So being able to maybe find some of that, like looking up at some in, in your search for therapists, right? Like kind of checking, like, what are their fees? Even asking, hey, I know that this is your fee. Is there any way that you could do a sliding scale? And therapists are usually really upfront of yes or no, I can't do this. But I know that there are also some agencies, you know, like in the Austin area that offer free or really low cost services. So I think particularly of, you know, like SAFE, um, SAFE is a nonprofit that works, you know, with survivors of domestic and sexual violence, and they offer counseling services for free. It is limited, like, you know, there's a limit to sessions, but they also offer like support groups and different, you know, different other things as well for counseling checking out like some directories, like, like I mentioned, Latinx therapy, inclusive therapists, a lot of therapists in those directories specifically are usually like offering some sliding scale options. If you, if a household, right, does have access to insurance, then I usually recommend calling the insurance and checking what therapists are paneled and that they could contact and, and go through them. If that's like something that that is an option, I think of here in Austin, YWCA, they offer really low, low sliding scale, and they're great. They're, they're pretty, they offer like really great services. I know of Capital Area Counseling is another agency that will offer some low cost. So you can definitely find those. Ale, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We really, I want to thank you personally. You are doing an amazing work for our gente, like you said, mm -hmm. and I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for answering all our questions, for being here on the podcast with us, and you know, we'll be talking later. Thank you. I love our conversation with Ale today. I felt like It's one of those conversations that I feel like it's happening around our communities. And I am really happy. It makes me really happy that most of us, some of us are seeking help and really doing something for ourselves. Something that I feel like we don't see, we didn't see with older generations. I really wish mental health services were available for my parents, my grandparents, Not because there was something wrong with them, but I think it would have definitely helped see things from a different perspective. It's funny too, because I just started therapy two weeks ago and mm -hmm. I found my therapist through Latinx therapy, which is the resource that Alejandra shared with us. So I can, I can testify that Latinx therapy was a great resource. I did the process that she said. I consulted with a few different therapists, had maybe 20, 30 minute conversations with them, mm -hmm. conversations with them, and then selected which one I felt most comfortable with. And honestly, they were really honest with their feedback as well of, of how they could provide help to me and or how they couldn't provide help to me. And they referred me to someone else. I think beforehand, I was super into self-care and self-growth and personal discovery, but I, I reached a wall. I wanted to seek professional help because my daily practices and habits from the walks, the meditation, the journaling, they were serving its purpose, but I felt like I just wanted to crack down just a little bit more and get a little bit more micro and heal from within. I really love that. You just mentioned something really cool. You wanted to get to the root. 
I love reading about self-growth, right? And I believe getting to the root of your fears, getting to the root of your trauma, getting to the root of your feelings, it's definitely hard work. And I love that you reached out to someone, right? Again, you have to do some self-discovery to figure out what is it that you're going to need right? And where to go next. So I really love that you did that. And I'm really happy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, do anybody out there, again, we don't want to sound like we're trying to sell you (laughs) to go to a therapist. But again, we want to build this community and we want to be there for you. So hopefully this talk, this episode helped you to think about it, right? And hopefully you are taking care of yourself through whatever method that is. Maybe you're still within journaling and doing really things that are good for you, good habits. Uh, Maybe you're at that step or maybe you're ready to talk to someone. So wherever you are, we want you to know that we're cheering for you. Love you guys. See you next time. Yay, bye.